to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. I have a few subjects to go over here, but there's a general connection that runs its way through this entire episode, I think, and it really has to do with the interconnectivity of all of these different organizations and political avenues that are clearly all connected. They are not interested in paying attention to the truth. They're clearly not thinking, and they're being paid to, of course, not think. They're just being paid to do what they're told. And this, of course, is the largest problem that we've been seeing for a very long time. And of course, it's coming to a head here. But there is a very insidious connection that runs from Of course, the national news media, right down to local city councils, right through hospitals, and then, of course, right through American schools. And they're all connected. And unfortunately, they're all relying on the word of one another to implement their own policies instead of doing what each individual entity is contractually obligated to do by law. And this is then where the legal aspect of all of this really goes haywire because we, of course, have state legislators making up laws or proposing laws that, of course, are based on lies and based on these quote-unquote pandemic lies. And again, you can tell it because they'll use those words in their legal proposals or they'll use this wording in almost everything that they're saying and pushing forth that ultimately backwashes on top of all of us which we don't want because we know what's going on, and of course they don't. So with all of that said, as just kind of a general introduction here, I want to go over just a couple of things. First of all, we know that this rollout for at-home testing is being, um, I guess, given to anybody who wants it or the fake Biden administration is providing at-home testing for people. My recommendation has always been and will always continue to be to never take these tests. We know what's in the tests. We know what's in the swab tests. We know what's in all of it. Taking it to the next level should be something that people think about, which is if you have to turn in these tests and your DNA is on that test, where does the test actually go? Is someone harvesting or farming your DNA someplace? Because again, if a person says, no, they're not doing that, they're popping it into a computer and they're keeping track for our own well-being and they're keeping track for our own health, and then they're just going to put that particular test right in the trash can. And they're going to dispose of it properly because they're responsible people and that's what they do. To that person, I would say, you're not going to survive. The future isn't going to be for that person because they're incapable of thinking about what's really going on. So the at-home tests that are going to actually be delivered. God knows why people are even using them. The jury is in on their lack of validity. Almost all of them have been recalled, and yet even school districts are are still purchasing these for people and still using them and relying on them and keeping track of these people. Again, there's, there's just so much here that needs to not be done, that it's gotten to the point where, again, if a school says do this, don't do it. If a city council says we're going to do this, ignore them. If anybody on your television says you need to participate in this, don't participate. It can't get much clearer than that. But again, I don't think that there's any 
particular point um, in waking up the sheep anymore, as the meme goes. We have to we have to start waking up the lions. We have to get more and more individuals who know what's going on to be louder than they normally are. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple of examples here of how insidious this entire thing is. And again, just the general connection. They're all different chain links, but they're all in the same chain. Um, there's the testing, of course. There's this other thing too, you know, at the national level in Virginia, and I would encourage people to be careful with this one um, as well, because I don't trust politicians. I don't trust any of them. I don't care what side they sit on. I, I just don't. Uh, Glenn Youngkin is now the governor of Virginia, which of course I suppose is better than Ralph uh, Foghorn Leghorn Northam. But at the same time, even though he has said that there are no longer statewide mask mandates and he signed an executive order about that, he needs to sign a law. There needs to be a law that there no longer be uh, mask mandates or vaccine mandates. Even though he's done that, though, and signed an executive order, which, you know, has to be followed, but it's still not a state law. Even, even though that's been signed, there are going to be holdouts, as I've brought up on countless occasions. You know, Governor DeSantis, for example, can, can sign whatever executive order he wants. He can even sign into law whatever he wants. We know that these Bolsheviks who run these organizations, whether they be a hospital, a business, or a school, are going to fight back and push back against all of them because they're delusional. These people are delusional. They actually believe, again, that a different kind of mask equates to a different kind of fake variant when none of the masks work, and we know that. And there are no variants, really. It's just made up, it's made up nonsense. So I want to give you two examples here, and then I want to play some audio a little bit later of a hospital director in the town where I live. Um, I, I watched this individual give a, a presentation about a 25-minute speech to the city council, and I'm, I'm not joking. Almost every single word he said was an absolute lie. And we have to keep in mind something here. These people are not paid to think. The moment that they start thinking, or the moment that any, you know, any administrator at any level, regardless of the profession, starts to ask a real question about any of what's going on, they'll get the hook. It's that simple. The hook will come out, yank them off stage, and then they'll push out somebody else brand new, and then that person will have to follow the company line and, and the COVID narrative, or else they'll get the hook also. And it's really sad because these people are doing it, you know, for my money and my job. And that's it. And they're throwing countless people under the bus. And this is the part, again, where these people aren't going to be able to walk down the street in the future. Because the future isn't going to be for them. They're going to be outed as throwing countless individuals under the bus. Whether they knew it or not, whether they were conscious to any of this or not. So there's two quick examples, two quick stories here I want to read through. The first. I'm not going to read through it. I'm just going to summarize it. There was a California uh, preschool teacher at a, uh, at a Catholic school, a Catholic preschool um, in San Diego, and she has lost her teaching license because she, w she, she could not keep the masks on these two-year-olds. And there were, I guess, countless education, quote-unquote, individuals that were showing up to this particular school and noticing that these kids weren't wearing their masks. And she says, I can't keep them on their faces. They're ripping them off because they're uncomfortable and they want to breathe and whatever. Well, she was fired and then lost her teaching license. 
Think of that for a minute. That's the, that's the profession here. Yes, I know it's California. I know it's the education system. I know that's a double whammy in some triple word score in, uh, in Scrabble. But uh, it's, it's not good any way you slice it. And that's not the only place that that's occurring. You can pick a red state. You can pick a red county. And you're going you're gonna to have the exact same outcome. Uh, and unfortunately, the exact same action which leads to that outcome, which is an abomination. So there's that. And that's been happening for quite some time, and that shouldn't shock anybody. Here's, here's the other thing that's been happening for quite some time, and it, again, it shouldn't shock anybody, but this comes from WND.com. And again, as we know, countless doctors are losing their medical licenses for doing the right thing. When I was at the America's Frontline Doctors Conference back in um, July of last year, an excellent doctor got up there from, I want to say, Oregon, and he said he lost his medical license because he was telling his patients that masks don't work. That simple. Masks don't work. And then they snatched his medical license. Again, a, a preschool teacher in California loses her license because she can't keep masks on these students and these young children. It's insane. So here's another one. Again, WND.com. Doctor forced to undergo psych exam after losing license for COVID quote unquote misinformation. And then it says, it seems that if you do not support vaccinations, you must be stopped. Of course. Of course. It says, quote, a Maine medical licensing board has temporarily suspended the license of a veteran physician for allegedly spreading misinformation about COVID-19 as it conducts a 30-day investigation that will require her to undergo a psychological examination. See, they're trying to paint us as crazy people. The exact opposite, of course, is true. It says Dr. Merrill Nass, who's been a board-licensed internal physician for more than 40 years, was the subject of two complaints based, among other things, on her statement that the vaccines have serious safety issues and are ineffective at stopping infection and transmission of the virus. She called the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention a criminal agency, pointing out that federal health officials have suppressed the use of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin to treat COVID while pushing newer, more expensive treatments. In a five-page order addressed to NAS. Maine's Board of Licensure in Medicine explained why it had the authority to order a psychological examination, which is also, as it turns out, it says here, an affiliate of National Public Radio, NPR. See the connection? You have, you have medical boards associated with NPR. I mean, the, the connections here are undeniable. It's, um, the rabbit hole is, is way too deep on this. It's way too deep. It says the board said that, quote, in the interest of public health and safety, it may compel a physician to submit to a men mental or physical examination upon a complaint or allegation that the physician is or may be unable to practice medicine with reasonable skill and safety to patients by reason of a mental illness, alcohol, intemperance, excessive use of drugs, narcotics, or as a result of a mental or physical condition interfering with the competent practice of medicine. You see, here's the other thing too, and I've spoken about this in the past. This is the insidious nature also of certifications and licensure. It's another hook in people's backs to remind you that you are the product of Uncle Sam, 
Big Brother owns you. Your degrees mean nothing. Your experience means nothing. Your individual mind needs means absolutely nothing because that hook in your back is your license or your certification. And Big Brother can take it away from you and tug it out of you anytime they want. Or they can move you around and have you do particular things or else. I've never liked, not once, the nature of certifications, licensure, you name it. If an employer isn't smart enough to make a decision about an employee, then, then why on earth do you even have this extra paperwork? Why does it even exist? Again, it's for extra fees, extra fines, extra oversight. We know all of that. But it also means that your local boss, that, that government doesn't even trust them to make the right decision on a hiring practice or a firing practice. That ultimately it's the state, this, this unnamed, no-faced individual that has the ultimate oversight over you. That continues to be the largest problem in this country. And it's not just this country, of course, it's everywhere. It continues, it says, along with her practice, NAS is a biological warfare epidemiologist who has developed a model for analyzing epidemics to assess whether they are natural or man-made. She has testified to Congress six times and to several state legislatures on bioterrorism, Gulf War syndrome, and vaccine safety. She's consulted for the World Bank, the Government Accountability Office, and the U.S. Director of National Intelligence regarding the prevention, investigation, and mitigation of chemical and biological warfare and pandemics. See, they really want her off the stage. They really want her gone. They don't want her telling any of her patients or anybody where she lives that this is biological warfare and that it's being injected directly into people. They can't have her around. That's, that, <laughs> those lines of credentials right there should describe to everybody why they want her gone. It says in a response on her blog, Nass said that the board is attempting to abridge her constitutional rights. I would say that's an understatement. She said, quote, the board has apparently realized that they do not have the evidence to convict me of anything, so they are now going on a fishing expedition asking for a list of every, every patient I've seen in the past six months and much, much more, she said. She continues and she says that she hasn't had a single complaint from one patient and that she's never been accused of malpractice not even once in 41 years of practicing medicine and is well known for successfully treating very challenging cases of chronic undiagnosed illness. It continues and goes on and on and on here. Um, even uh, Steve Kirsch is referenced in this and he's on Gab and, and writes on Telegram. He's an example again of um, at least once or twice jabbed and is, is you know, has vaccine regret and the whole thing. Of course, it's not a vaccine, but has regret and is fighting on the side of, of the truth here. And I'm just going to skip to the bottom here because he's quoted as saying this and he's 100% right. He said, quote, it may take a while, but this is not going to end well for the medical community, Congress, the HHS agencies, universities, businesses, and the mainstream media, unquote. I think he's right. This isn't going to end well for them. These individuals, again, will not be able to walk down the street. The corruption is too thick. It's too obvious. They can stick their head in the sand all they want, but um, it's still going to rain on their back, whether they think it's raining or not. Now, here's kind of the first piece of audio that I, that I really want to play, and I want to set this up a particular way because this is an interesting post, anonymous post that I just read online, and I tossed it on Gab as well. 
but it has to do again with something that I've written about in the past and spoken about in the past, but I'm going to revisit here and, and play some audio that sort of gives it away. You're starting to now get more and more knowledgeable individuals on what these shots are doing to people on mainstream media outlets, in particular Fox News. The thing to keep in mind, of course, is Fox News is still the enemy. They've always been the enemy. They've always gaslit people, and they're, st- and they're still doing that. But now there's a divide within Fox, which is an interesting thing to watch. And again, I don't watch TV, but I do catch some of these clips online. And it's interesting to see, again, the blatant division that exists between the different hosts. So you'll have some hosts that will actually challenge individuals like Robert Malone or Peter McCullough, and then you'll have other hosts that don't. You'll have other hosts that actually ask viable questions to them with, with some ounce of critical thought. Uh, they'll even have these, again, these truth tellers for the most part, like Malone and McCullough, on their program, and then they'll, they'll set them up by having somebody who disagrees with them on the other side. It's so, so, so even in their sort of, uh, you know, even in their gaslighting, they're still trying to play gatekeeper by trying to create a debate when, frankly, there is no debate to even be had. So, one of the, I'm just going to read this post here, and it basically outlines again some of the things that I've brought up, but it implies that what's going to happen here in the media in this coming week, this week and and certainly in the future, is that you're going to start seeing this more and more. You're going to start seeing the mainstream media be forced by the script writers, so to speak, to talk about the vaccine injury. Again, I'm using the word vaccine loosely, but they're going to be forced to talk about the injury because the injuries and illnesses are undeniable. You can't avoid them. What's going to make this interesting, of course, too, is the humble pie that's going to be served on a constant basis as these media individuals themselves who have been pushing it and were pushing it and have even taken it. Now you have they themselves reporting on this that they don't work and that they kill people. I mean, that's a level of crow eating that I don't think we've ever seen before, and I I think it's inevitable that we're going to start seeing it more and more. So the post says this. It says, hello, Anons. I just wanted to give you guys a glimpse of what's to come for the next few weeks. Most of the major media alphabets have been given packets to disseminate on the following matter. Turns out you guys are right. The vaccines do cause severe illness. Media execs have been in conference this past week with federal agents trying to find some possible way to spin this and soften the blow. You are starting to see some articles trickle down that never would have seen the light of day last year. However, they will have to report the whole truth about the vaccines and the lab origin because the U.S. is being blackmailed by the the Chinese government. Expect the scandal to break next Monday, which is today. It then says, I want each and every one of you to prepare for the worst, namely is the psychological aftershock of neurotypicals being unplugged from their illusion. Some people will become angry, some will become violent, others will break. I don't care how much your family wronged you over COVID and elections, but you must be there for one another if we are to expect society to have any hope of repair afterwards. After all, you are both victims of ruthless psyop, of a ruthless psyop. Be the better person and have people see you as a leader after all this. The meek shall inherit the earth. And again, that was dated 
last Wednesday on the 12th. So I think we're, I think we are going to see this. And again, I wrote about this in a Substack article last summer. Um, watching the, the mental breakdown of media individuals, again, who have been pushing this, and then watching the very citizens themselves who have blindly followed these media entities and the words that they've said for so very long on this singular issue, watching them snap as they tune into their favorite program on that particular time of day, and then they end up just saying, well, wait a minute, why are they saying that? Why are they saying they don't work? The truth is knocking on these people's door. It's knocking on their front door on a constant basis. They've ignored the knocking, but now the knock is getting louder and louder. And again, they're not going to be able to avoid it. And this audio clip here I'm going to play is a perfect example. Again, it's Laura Ingram, Fox News, and she has an MIT scientist on saying that the COVID jabs don't work and that parents should not give them to their children. It can't get any clearer. And again, you've had people like Laura Ingram at the beginning of all of this that was saying, look, we all need to be safe and just you know, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I don't know her stance on every single issue throughout the time because, like I said, I don't watch these shows. But the more and more that these shows and their producers and their controllers are allowing these truth tellers to make their way onto these programs, it's the hosts themselves that are really being put in an awkward situation. And I love it. I just love it. So here's the audio clip real quick. Very well-respected MIT scientist recently gave a presentation warning of the possible long-term side effects of the COVID vaccines. She wrote, through the prion-like action of the spike protein, we will likely see an alarming increase in several major neurodegenerative diseases with increasing prevalence among younger and younger populations. Joining me now is Dr. Stephanie Senap, Senior Research Scientist at the MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab. Dr. Senef, um, this is absolutely terrifying to a layperson to hear uh, as this push for vaccines and boosters and, and new boosters and multiple boosters for our younger population continue. What do we need to know? I, first of all, think it's outrageous to be giving vaccines to young people because they don't have a risk of a very, very low risk of dying from COVID. So they, they don't get a benefit. And when you look at the potential harm, from these vaccines, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And certainly repeated boosters is just going to be very uh, devastating, I think, in the long term. And um, it's just, uh, I've done a lot of research and I, I really am beginning to understand exactly how the process takes place and it's uh, very disturbing. Now, the neurodegenerative aspect of this that you specifically highlight from your research, explain that if you can in layman's terms. Yes, I'll try to. And of course, the science is never easy, but it's quite fascinating what happens. The, the vaccine gets injected into the arm. The muscle cells get very upset. They bring in a whole bunch of troops. The immune cells come in, take up the vaccine themselves. They take up the nanoparticles. They start making spike protein. The particles basically get your cells to produce lots and lots of spike protein in a hurry. Spike is the most toxic part of the virus. And these immune cells then rush into the lymph system, rush to this. Many of them end up in the spleen, which is where you want uh, them to be to produce the antibodies. That's the goal. So they've designed it. And they're very happy to see that they end up in the spleen, making lots of spike protein and then in invoking an immune response that produces antibodies by the B cells. But the problem is that those germinal centers in the spleen are really the center place where Parkinson's disease develops and probably many other 
uh, neurodegenerative diseases. But for Parkinson's, it's been very well laid out that, uh, that you get that prion-like proteins even from infections in the gut. Immune cells take them to the spleen, to those germinal centers, and then they start spewing out exosomes. These are little lipid particles that are released by the cell, unloading mm. that toxic protein and shipping it along the vagus nerve to the brain. This is sort of well known with respect to Parkinson's disease, and that's the model I'm using. It feels to me like this is a perfect setup for it. Doctor, Doctor Sanef, um, this is a very short segment. We're going to have you back, but any parent who's been pressured into giving a child uh, this vac vaccination, what do you say to them tonight? Uh, they should do everything they can to avoid it. Absolutely everything they can. Dr. Seneff, um, this deserves a longer conversation that you and I are going to have on my podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us, and I'll continue to post uh, your research and your findings. You can hear it in Laura Ingram's voice at the beginning, again, her slow roll of the truth. So what you're saying is, is that there's an MIT professor who says that these are harmful? That's going to be hard for a lot of people to hear. Well, let's talk to her. It's just this slow roll of trying to ease everybody into the truth. See, I would rather just hit somebody over the head with a mallet of truth, but I understand that not everybody enjoys that dose. At the exact same time, this can work for people. However, the people who are jabbing their children, and unfortunately, yes, some of them tend to watch Fox News, because again, if you have another host on Fox, and they exist, like the Sean Hannity's and whatever, they're out there and they're going, hey, I got mine. You should get yours too. You know, we got to keep the kids safe. We got to do everything, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, they'll have on another guest like Dr. Oz, who's not, you know, he's not a credible doctor. But anyway, they'll have him on and they'll say, so should kids get this, Dr. Oz? And they'll go, yep, they should. False equivalency. You cannot have both. You can't have both. That's what's destroying the media apparatus right now is they're now caught between a rock and a hard place. They cannot get out. Every time they try to squirm, that rock just crushes them a little bit more. So that's the national level. That's, again, that's just one example of what's hap happening with the media at the national level and the slow roll that's coming out here. here. Here's the other thing. Here at the local level, you have now massive hospital entities and the companies that are all associated with these hospitals. They're speaking with school board members, and they're speaking with city council members, and they're speaking with any politician in the general area. And they're doing whatever they can to have influence with them or around them. And even, again, those politicians will invite these people in to essentially gaslight everybody and brainwash them to whatever it is that their agenda is. And we know what their agenda is. It's mass jabbing, mass masking. Please let us keep these mandates in place. All of this has to happen, you know, and then we'll rely on you and only you as our go-to when it comes to implementing all of these ridiculous policies that have no basis in medical fact whatsoever. So, with that said, here in town, where I live, the city council invited the director of the local hospital, which is a part of TriHealth, which is a massive medical industry. Uh, to, to show up and speak, and he spoke for approximately 24 minutes, and I want you to hear a little bit of what he says here at the beginning, and I'm just going to bounce around a little bit uh, with a couple of different clips from a couple of different timestamps, but 
there's a major thing that happens, which is absolutely hilarious, and I, I believe I've mentioned this in the past. It's the manipulation of of the usage of percentages. Now, stay with me on this because I know this is a bit boring, but there have even been memes made about this, which is absolutely hilarious. They will consistently reference these medical professionals or, again, politicians, whoever they are, the bad guys, the people who are pushing through this terrible agenda. They'll, they'll reference percentages by saying, well, we are at 88% capacity, or we are only at 50% capacity. Well, what does that mean? How many beds do they have in their entire hospital? So you're saying that half of your beds are, are, are filled, okay? Of those half that are filled, how many of them actually have what you're calling COVID? And it turns out that the number is very, very small. What they also consistently state is that they're testing everybody who comes in and who is there if they have COVID by, of course, using these faulty tests. And then they look to the test to see if they have, in fact, tested positive. Here's where the rubber meets the road here and the bullet hits the bone. The director of this hospital openly states that they have next to zero quote-unquote COVID patients. I believe he says something like six. They have six or eight COVID patients. That's it. And then he states that 88% of them are not fully vaccinated. At the end of his 25-minute talk, the mayor, in his just sheer stupidity, he would have done well to keep his mouth shut because he's a moron. But at the exact same time, he couldn't help himself. So he actually says, can you help us define what it is when you mean not fully vaccinated? And the director, again, looking like a deer in headlights, kind of with his eyes really big and, you know, well, golly gee shucks, he ends up saying that their definition of not fully vaccinated means you have had at least one shot, but maybe have not had the second or a booster. So we're not talking about the unvaccinated are sick. We're talking about all of the vaccinated are sick. 88% of them. 88% of six people is how many people? Not a lot of people is the answer. But they want that number to dictate that everybody needs to wear a mask, everybody needs to get a jab, everybody needs to get jabbed, everybody needs to take boosters. This is the largest kill program and propaganda rollout that's ever occurred, ever. In particular, when it comes to, again, a, a widespread biological drug like this that is injected into people. There may have been others, yes, I'm, I know history the way that history is, and regular vaccines are all poison. I fully get it. But the statistical manipulation and the percentage manipulation that's taking place is astounding because they're saying the percentage number, but they're hiding that the actual people number is next to zero, except, of course, for the jabbed. So I'm going to play this audio here. Give this guy a listen. Again, he's not being paid to think. This guy is being paid to just read numbers and then, of course, hope that no one is asking questions 
and that no one else is thinking. Uh, I know there's a lot of narratives and a lot of stories that are out there about about the COVID and what it does and, and this and that. So uh, currently, when you look at uh, our mission at McCullough High, it's to make our community healthier, right? It's to improve the health status of the people we serve. So we've sought, sought to do that throughout the, the, the pandemic. So currently, if you would have asked me this morning, our capacity was 88% full in our inpatient care unit and our ICU was 75. We've since discharged down to 52, and that's kind of the normal rotation, kind of the throughput that we have. Uh, and we've uh, currently got eight COVID patients in, in McCullough Hyde right now. Typically, we've gone months during the summer where it was about one, maybe two. But the last two weeks, we've certainly seen a spike in cases. Uh, Basically, one in four of every symptomatic patient that we're testing has been positive. So I'm going to get into a little bit more data. Uh, and I said in the ICU, right now the ICU is at 100%, so we got four ICU beds and all four of them are full. You caught that, right? You caught that? I'm sure you caught that. We have four ICU beds and we're at 100% capacity. Four. Every single person, you come in with a broken leg and you're in ICU with a broken leg, they're going to test you for COVID using a faulty test. You're going to test positive because it's a faulty test. And then what? Your name goes on a list, your data goes into a database, and they've got your ass. Then it's game over. And then they use, again, that statistical manipulation and those percentages with people to manipulate them, and so on and so on and so on. Again, you heard him at the very beginning. I know there's a lot of narratives out there about COVID and what it does. No, no, no. There's, there's lying pipsqueaks like yourself who are doing it for the money. And it's people like him again that aren't going to be able to walk down the street when this whole thing is done. When this whole thing is over with, there's no way he keeps his job. I also find it interesting that this guy showed up at this hospital exactly two and a half years ago. Very odd timing. I'll continue. Here we go. So we're kind of at that all-time high over the last 14 days. We've certainly seen that post-holiday uh, spike. Uh, currently, out of the last 14 days, just with the Oxford zip code of 450-56, 77 people have tested positive. Uh, and out of those 77, two of them are at Bethesda North, uh, three of them are at Good Samaritan Hospital, and we have one currently at Pola High. Uh, our total hospital admissions just in December from the prior December were up 20%. Our ER volume was up 32% just from December year over year. Uh, if you carry that out throughout the whole prior year, from, it, it's, it's still in the, it's uh, got it down here, 26% for admissions and 38% for uh, ER visits. And the primary reason for the, the surge has been the COVID and flu. Uh, that's been the two main drivers. And really, we've seen the spreading very quickly of the variant. The Omicron variant is really starting to overtake the Delta variant. Delta is still pretty dominant, and this is the one that's, that's really driving people into uh, hospital admissions. But the Delta is rapidly uh, over, overtaking that. So we're in what's called the fourth wave or the fourth surge. We call it the second surge of the Delta because we got a small surge earlier in the year from the Delta. But as we continue to manage through this, one of the things that we're seeing is it bumps up really fast and then it kind of wanes really quickly. He sounds like a child reading directions to you about a toy that they just bought or a toy that they're playing with. It does this and then it goes here and then it goes really fast here and then it does this. He sounds like a child. 
He even said Omicron wrong. I think he called it Omicron. Not to mention, of course, how do you test for any of these? You can't. Why? Because they don't exist. They're not real. I'm going to kind of skip toward the end here, but about 15 minutes in, one of the council members, ugh, don't get me started on this guy, but one of the council members asks him about the 100% capacity. And you'll hear him, he'll go, well, that just really sounds alarming. It just sounds alarming you're at 100%. You're talking about four people in four beds, big guy. It's a hospital. It's a hospital. But that's 100%, oh my God. Oh my God, it's 100%. Settle down. Settle down. Again, this is a, this is a double-masked goon who goes home and watches television on a day-in and day-out basis and drinks it in. The man has a mental disorder. I mean, you're going to hear it, but, and, and again, listen to the guys, listen to this hospital director's response. And then again, I'm going to skip kind of toward the end and, and you'll hear some of his overall tips on what to do. And then of course the mayor puts his own foot in his mouth, um, by ask, actually asking one of the dumbest questions I've ever heard. And then the truth actually comes out and it doesn't make anybody look good, but they're manipulating everything on purpose. I, I mean, I, thank you so much. I, we asked you to come because uh, we get the daily reports, but um, and but or the, the weekly reports from the city manager. Um, Nerve-wracking a little bit to hear that you're 100% ICU occupancy. Can you tell me more about? You're part of a network with Dry Health, and we we're talking about like you're moving people around. So if there's not a bed here, what's the capacity looking like? Asian. Yeah. Um, I know you're talking not only within Dry Health, sure. but probably your fellow CEO. So yeah. tell me, what's the kind of I've seen maps in the paper that show there's not a lot of capacity regionally ICU beds. Where are we? Look, that's a great question, and I'm really proud that we partnered, you know, with with TriHealth because we're we're much larger than just Oxford. We have the ability to to tap into a lot of additional hospitals and beds, and we balance all of those cases so that if we if we need another ICU admission, we've got Good Samaritan, we got Bethesda North, we got Bethesda Butler. So we balance those, so we're never really out of beds. And within our system, we make sure we have the beds to handle our, our patients. So a lot of tertiary facilities will transfer extra into, say, B North or Good Sam. They hold those beds for us should we need them. So we've never been out of beds. When you think about our ICU, it's, it's, it's a four-bed unit. We could probably, you know, probably get it up to six here in a few years if we, if we needed to, and I really think we should. But right now, we're, we're able to handle those. And, and what's interesting is the lengths of stay, or average length of stay is about 3.8 days. So Beds turn over quickly. This morning, being at 88% capacity, we've already dropped down to 52, you know? So it, it's kind of a, a nice throughput. And that's been the beauty of it, too, is our care managers and case managers working with Steve Mombach and the Triumph team have helped us with extended care facilities uh, to make the placements for the patients that need to get transferred out for long-term you know, care. So we've got the capacity within TriHealth to, to handle the beds, and we're not out of them. Here's what this nitwit goes on to say, this director of the hospital. He goes on to say that they don't feel the need to bring in the National Guard to help out with anything because, again, it's not there are no students in this town right now. It's a university town. Once the students come back, yeah, they're going to get ill and that hospital's going to get packed because they're all jabbed at the university for the most part. But he doesn't feel the need to bring in the National Guard because they would be testing and they can handle that, he says. The second thing that he does admit to is he ends up admitting that the individuals who work there are getting sick. They, of course, have been jabbed because they had a jab mandate. 
And they, I mean, many of the workers there just willingly took it, but many of them had to fight for the exemptions. And the ones that still work there, of course, took the exemptions who know what's going on, and, and they're still working there. They're not the ones that are ill, though. The ones that are ill are the ones that took the jabs. Number three, he starts to talk about the medical treatments that they use. He now openly admits in this city council meeting that the ventilators don't work, that that's not, that's, that they don't work, which means, again, why didn't you know that before? How many people have you killed with ventilators this entire time? And then he starts to talk about remdesivir, which has been renamed to Valkyrie, I might add. Keep that in mind going forward, the trademark of the name Valkyrie, different spelling than the actual word itself, but it's been renamed because a lot of people know that remdesivir is, you know, as Dr. McCutcheon say, run, death is near. I mean, and all the other funny names that go along with it. He claims that using that drug is helping people. It's not. It's remarkably expensive. And then he says other therapeutics and blah, blah, blah. He doesn't, he doesn't reference necessarily what those are. Now, this next clip is when the mayor says, okay, what does 88% mean? 88% of the people are testing positive for COVID because they're not fully vaccinated. What does that mean? He actually asks the question. And this is where the cat comes completely out of the bag and just poops on everybody. Here we go. Well, coming in were, uh, with serious problems were not vaccinated. Yeah, let me not fully vaccinated. So they may have had one dose. Yeah. yeah. So... I'm going to put words in your mouth. Okay. See if you <laughs> that the best thing that people could do in our community right now is to get vaccinated, get fully vaccinated, and if they're ready, they should get their booster. I think it's very important that everyone look at all their precautions that they need for themselves. And it's extremely important because every no two individuals are the same. I mean, doctors will tell you that all the time they go into a surgery, no two anatomies are the same. So it's real important for you to look at what is the best precaution you can take. Maybe a mask, it may be a, a vaccination. I can tell you my family, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm a leader, I'm a servant leader, so I didn't force any of my family to get the vaccination. I can tell you my family is all vaccinated. They've gone anything from J&J to Pfizer to Moderna, and it was all in their timing because they, you know, they, they saw the importance of it. The mayor of the town tried to get him to say that everybody should take the shots after he just admitted that 88% of all of the people who are in the hospital, which is only six people, that 88% of six people have been jabbed and are ill with quote-unquote COVID. This is the insanity. This is the absolute insanity, and that's why, again, at the local level, these people are trying to rule with an iron fist. It's happening in towns and cities everywhere. The people on this city council aren't even listening to the answers. They're not listening, and they're consistently looking for panic. They're looking for worse and worse numbers because they're all, they're all jabbed. So they're not even hearing the guy again say, it's the jab that are getting ill. Again, he skirted the issue, and he, and he has to. He can't tell everybody, take these, because he doesn't want to be strung up by the neck until dead. So he has to say, look, everybody has to make the decision for themselves. And he just leaves it in this giant gray area. There is no gray area. You heard the MIT professor earlier. There's no gray area. 
No one should take these. No one should have ever taken these. Not ever. But, but once they're faced again with facts, their cognitive dissonance kicks into overdrive, and they have no choice but to just rely on their own panic. So I'm, I'm confused. I just don't understand. I mean, we have enough beds, and that's great. So should everybody just take the jabs? Or I mean, I, th- I just feel like it's the safest thing. And then he's like, eh, you know, you don't have to take them, but, you know, whatever. It's your call. Uh, it's awful. Listen to his uh, final thing here on preventative measures, because it's equally as embarrassing. Uh, one question I had is how long do your medical personnel stay out for when they test positive for COVID? What's the protocol? So the protocol started at 14 days and it went down to 10. We're following the CDC guidelines now. Now the CDC guidelines recommend five days after a negative test, right? So five days after negative tests, including no, no fever, obviously, and no symptoms. Now, if someone gets to that five days, and we've actually had this happen, where we've actually invited them back to work, and they said, no, they still don't feel right, we're giving them the extra day or two that they need because we certainly want people that, that are healthy. Now, I will tell you, one of the discussions, that, that was, and again, this is just a discussion, is with the Omicron variant, you start to shed the virus one to two days before you test positive and one to two days after you test negative. So really, if you had an adjuvant test, it's kind of... This guy can't pronounce anything correctly, and he's the director of a hospital. Omicron, it's Omicron. It's fake, but either way. Omicron, he keeps saying. An adjuvant test? What the hell is that? What is that? Adjunct test. I'm sorry. Who are these people? Wh- where, where do they dig these people up? They, don't, they, they can't even say the fake names correctly. They can't even say that correctly. Absolutely brain dead. Keep listening to this explanation, too. It's ridiculous. Well, for the COVID-19, you could potentially come back in two days. And should we get to that point where we need staff, we would, we would do the more, the more testing uh, to make sure that people were not entirely shedding the virus. It's encouraging to know that, that the hospital is prepared to take on whatever um, cases and hospitalizations we might experience in our community. Um, I think it's also important to consider, though, that so far we've been talking about your ability to handle people who need to be hospitalized, to keep in mind that our goal should be to prevent people from having to be hospitalized. And we talked about the those precautions, vaccines and boosters being the primary way to do that. I'd say I'm very excited for the fact that we were able to be, you know, give over 18,000 vaccines and boosters within our community. You know, a lot of systems weren't, weren't able to do that. <laughs> That speaks very highly, and we still have a lot more clinics left this, this month. At some point, though, it's going to transition into physician offices. At some point, it's going to have to be that handoff. We're just not there for that handoff yet. We're, we're trying to back down the hatches to get through January and, and get into February. And if you look back at, at how March of 2020 went, how 21 went, it's got that same curve. It's just time we went a little higher on the roller coaster, and hopefully we go down just as fast. The voice you heard, the female voice, she's a new city council member and she's a moron. Again, I understand people don't like the name calling. I really don't care. She's an idiot. She didn't hear a word 
that he said about anything in the presentation. And if I was sitting at that dais with these other dopes, which I would never do, I would look at all of them and I would say the following. Did any of you hear what he just said? Are any of you paying attention? The only people that are getting sick are the jabbed. That's it. The only people getting sick are the people pumping their veins full of poison and wearing a mask and depriving themselves of oxygen. She just said, so what you're saying is, the best thing for us to do is that we need to wear masks, get vaccines, and get boosted for the people in our community. They're on another planet, and other planets don't even exist. I mean, they're, I, I, don't know where, I don't know where these people live. Uh, it's the Matrix, that's all. They live in the Matrix. They do not live in the real world. They can't even hear. They can't even hear what he's saying, and he's saying it to their faces. It's going in one ear, out the other, and they're essentially just saying in their own heads, please prove me right, please prove me right, please prove me right when I say that everybody needs to get jabbed and that's the best way to prevent against anything. These people are not going to make it. They're not going to survive. One of the city council members, I might add also, has had both of her parents double jabbed at the very least, and they've both been deathly ill, and she can't for the life of her figure out why. They actually think it's the unvaccinated. That's what these people believe at the local and national level. It's nuts. It's insane. I got nothing else. I got nothing else on these people. Uh, that's the, that, that's it for the old city council meeting there. Keep in mind though, ladies and gentlemen, this is one town, one university town. This is happening lots of places. It's happening all over. Um, that level of stupidity is everywhere because again, that's filtering up and down the ladder all the way again into the local schools and up to the, uh, right up to the state level, which brings me to, to this next thing. This is in Kentucky. And it's from the local newspaper. Actually, this is USA Today Network from the uh, Louisville Courier-Journal. And it's titled, Kentucky Education Bills to Keep an Eye on in 2022. Most of these bills pushed through by Republicans, quote-unquote. I'm using that lightly. But they're all, again, based on the foundation of this giant COVID lie. One of them, I kid you not, is designed to give school districts 10 remote instructional days per school to move individual schools or classrooms online as needed. They're basically advocating for 10 snow days or COVID days every single year from here on out. So that it, once COVID rears its ugly head again, its ugly fake head again, and everybody starts to panic, they'll, they'll get 10 days. You see, this is, the, this is the permanent implementation of this insanity. That, that is, again, occurring up and down the entire ladder, from the legal level all the way to policymakers and politicians, and uh, it's just awful. You name it. You name it. They also go so far in, in one of these proposed House bills to basically implement that students should not be retaliated against if they aren't vaccinated, and that they can't mandate these vaccines, which again is a good thing. And it's waiting for committee assignment, which means again, we're years away from that, unfortunately. So the fight certainly continues. But one of these bills says, 
It would also bar anyone from, again, retaliating against unvaccinated kids, including limiting, limiting the activities in which they can participate. When in the history of anything has this ever occurred? They're just too far deep into the lie now. They're, way too, they're just way too deep into the lie, and th- there's no digging out of it. Um, again, with all of that aside, th- there's two, two last things here I want to cover just very briefly. Number one, homeschool resources, as I have covered on here consistently, do exist. I came across another one. This is called BJU Press Homeschool. And it's BJUPressHomeschool.com. I do not know if this is an accredited homeschooling program. I would encourage people to check that out themselves. Me personally, um, I would prefer that these websites, again, plaster it right on the front page so it's easy for people to be able to to tell uh, if it is accredited or not. I can't tell if it is or it isn't. It's certainly a Christian-based program, which is fantastic. It's both online with uh, home-sent materials, lots of workbooks here. Again, heritage studies, handwriting, reading, you name it. It looks legit to me. It really does. So if somebody's looking for yet another homeschooling program, definitely call them uh, and bounce around their website and check them out if you're interested. It's bjupresshomeschool.com. Here's the last thing I wanted to mention. I'm in connection with individuals who are receiving numerous documentation from endless administrators, school board members, etc. via email regarding a lot of the actions that are taking place from countless school board members and countless administrators throughout this entire time. The actions of them from 2021 all the way through now. Uh, going through some of this documentation that's being sent my way from countless other individuals is, is really, really interesting. So what I plan on doing is, as I'm going through some of this documentation, I'm writing down a number of different themes because there are themes that are emerging that are absolutely incredible. And we all have to know what these are, and you all have to know what these are. Again, whether you're sending your children to these schools or not, you do need to understand how they're operating behind the scenes because, again, as I've stated on numerous occasions, They're criminal organizations, and they are lying through their teeth about countless things. So in the future, I'm going to start bringing up some of those themes and sort of reveal some of them to you um, over the course, certainly over the course of the next few months. But it's going to take some time. I'm I'm still rocking through them, but I'm I'm taking notes along the way, taking screenshots along the way. And it's, I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this has been written about for a very, very long time in countless books. Um, And now, fortunately, it's being written about at great length on social media platforms. But it has gotten to the point where if you're sending your children to these school environments, you're sending them to the enemy. These individuals have an agenda. They've always had one. But their agenda has been kicked into full gear here. And as Vanessa Hurst, a previous guest on the podcast, brought up on a consistent basis, and her episodes were always titled the same because she was 100% right, this is, a, this is a Trojan horse. This entire thing has been rolled out on purpose to implement the full takeover of American education for a Marxist indoctrination program. That's what's happening. A lot of people are participating in it. A lot of people are not. But it doesn't matter because, again, that battlefield of American K-12 education is now the school and the classroom, and it's, and it's in plain sight for everyone to see. So that's why I'm going to consistently bring up these homeschooling options, 
And I sure hope that uh, more and more people continue to take them seriously and look into it. Because as I've said in the past, I have yet to meet somebody that regrets homeschooling their children once they've pulled them out of the public, private, and charter system. I have yet to meet a person who regrets it. So, a lot of information there. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.